Welcome to Accelerate Your Wealth, a podcast by Rebecca Robertson, founder and director of Evolution Financial Planning. This season, we'll be covering all things wealth, from owning it to maximizing it. For further information, or if you'd like help accelerating your wealth directly, please do contact us. Head over to our website, www.rebeccarobertsonevo.co.uk. Hey, and welcome to this podcast show with myself, Rebecca Robertson. And on today's session uh, show, we're going to be talking about 10 ways to accelerate your wealth, how to align your finances for an abundant life. And I'm going to be talking you through one of my chapters of this new book, which is available on Amazon. And it's all around money mindset or money blocks um, is another way of talking about it. Um, it's a big subject, money blocks, and there's a lot of people out there that talk about positivity and about um, affirmations and about um, calling, you know, gratitude and, and manifesting. And there's, 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 a, there's a lot to talk about this subject. Um, but I'm just going to focus around more the sort of hands on things that we see um, when it comes to our finances. Um, and how you might be showing up with your money. So that's how I'm going to sort of focus things on this particular show today. And I just want to talk about why we have money blocks around money. So the most research states that money blocks stem from our early days. We most of us pretty much know that, right? We know naturally that we are where we are, and we got there from the fact of all this sort of puzzles and pieces of information that have been given to us over a number of years but a number of it we don't actually remember we don't recognize so it'd be those conversations that we had with parents over the dinner table that started to form um, even things like you know you must work hard to earn money for example and um, so then we just think we just have to you know work to the fingers to the bone before we can actually get any real wealth and and that's not what it's about it's a it's really about understanding what's underneath that what messages we're telling ourselves so that we can start to sort of forgive forget move on and bring better things into our lives now a lot of people um are quite woo woo quite spiritual about this and i'm 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 not opposed to that actually i think if it does works for you and we have our own versions of what that might look like, then absolutely go for it. Whether that's crystals down the bra. Yes, those that don't know that people do this, that is a thing. They do put crystals down their bra. Um, or speaking to um, angels around money or that, that sort of at one side of the spectrum. Or it could be more of a case of um, you're somebody that likes the really practical stuff. So being super organized with your money makes you focused. Now, I think there's sort of two ends of the spectrum, but there is a place in the middle um, where you can do the positive things. You can be organized with your money. You can have the right mindset and be really positive about stuff um, and therefore create that, that's, that sort of environment, if you like, that deems success, which will bring in success because we're doing all the right things. We're feeling the right things. We're acting the right way. And that all comes back to our how we think and feel around money and what potential blocks or things could be holding that back. So it's capping us from going on to that next thing. So maybe a parent has said that the money is the root of all evil and that being rich is selfish. These beliefs can be instilled in you without you even being aware. And throughout your life, you find yourself being without money because there's an unconscious fear of having it because you think, oh, okay, if I have money, 
I'm going to be selfish or I'm going to be evil, for example. Now, that might not be the case for yourself, but there will be something there. We all have them regardless of where we come from or what our upbringing was like. And a lot of financial advisors will tell you in order to be prosperous, you need to make sure that you own your own home, pay off your debts, keep savings. If you want to be a millionaire, run your own business. However, as much as we, we read this and we know this and it, you know, it's not, not rocket science, many people have no luck at making their millions and instead waste their money on get rich, get rich quick schemes. Or I know so many people that have won the lottery and they either give it away or they spend it and they end up with nothing. So why, why is that? Why do people naturally end up having actually very little? And I, I've had some amazing financial gains in, in my business career and I speak from experience where I know I naturally end up spending it where I know I shouldn't like <laughs> I know what I know what I shouldn't be doing but there's so many things that would stop us or um are, no, no one's there to sort of tell us what we should or shouldn't be doing um it's about having the right systems and things in place so you know where you're going and on what what sort of um to make help you make those right decisions um, and as I said before, um, it could be a belief that has been passed on to you from your parents or you might be just holding this on. Something might have happened to you. So when I went through um, my um, parental leave or um, maternity leave, I came back into work after a, a time off and I sort of had to catch up quite a lot. And for a number of months, if not maybe a year, that sort of panic of having to sort of catch up and trying to find my feet again meant for a number of months afterwards, if not, up, like I said, like up to a year, that I was actually having these reactions of emails coming in or post like bills in the post. And I found myself not, not needing or there's no, no reason to panic, but I felt like this panic kicking in. So it's how we're showing up is often a reflection of what is going on underneath. So how do we break those, break those down? How do we look at these, what these money blocks are? And here's some sort of crucial questions to ask yourself. And I'm just going to go, go through a few of them. And you might want to grab a notebook or do this when you haven't got too much going on around you. Um, because you, or maybe even listen to it and come back to it later. Because it's a kind of thing that you do need to do with a bit of space around you. And you'll find in my book that actually a lot of the chapters are practical stuff and things that you need to go away and do so throughout the book um throughout the chapters of the book there's 10 obviously there's technical 10 ways um there's 10 practical things for you to go away and physically do although there's about 16 chapters including the summary 17 chapters when you have the about me at the end um so we're you know there's about uh, what we're talking maybe 15 or so chapters there's 10 very clear actions um, for you to go away and do so with my book it is best to have a notepad and a pen handy um, to work through them so let's have a listen so are we ready for this let's let's have make a start and talk about what you could be considering with your money blocks so if you were to think about money what was your most painful money memory do you have one? Some people go blank and they're not actually quite sure about this. What is your most joyful money memory? Can you think of what the most amazing thing that's ever happened in terms of someone maybe someone bought you something, gave you something, you was able to buy yourself something or do something, have an experience of some kind? 
did these experiences shape how you use money now do you think that that was a good thing or a bad thing and if I'm not going to act that same way or I'm going to do things slightly differently what three things did your parents teach you about money this is quite an interesting one we don't think about our parents teaching us do we of money but they do without us realizing when growing up was your family rich poor middle class sounds like a funny thing to ask in this day and age do we class people like that anymore we used to obviously um more when uh, i don't know maybe like 1920s 1930s prior to that um, that things were very much about what class you were in but when you were growing up, did you feel like that you were in a rich family, a poor family, a middle class family? And I'm purely talking about financial status, which is not a reflection of your, you know, who you are as a person at all. What were your family's values around money? Did they sort of talk about money in a certain way that it was not necessarily good or bad, but were they sort of talking about money being hard to have or hard to look after or hard to handle? What is your greatest financial fear? What's your biggest fear with money? Wow, that's a powerful one. That you could lose it all so you don't keep it. You spend it before it goes. I hear that quite a lot. What are your most important financial goals? What's really important to you? And what are you willing to do differently around money? I love those questions and it's really worthwhile reflecting on them to find out about how you're thinking and how you're feeling around money, because what comes up for you is how you're showing up, what you're thinking and feeling around those questions. And you will be showing up and doing things in a certain way. Those beliefs and ideas about money can also add aptitude. <laughs> no, the wrong word. Um, be attributed to your personality. And there may be certain traits and these can be directly linked to how you are showing up with your money, as I've just mentioned. And there's actually a large scientific study carried out in the UK to find out what personality traits people have and how they affect the person's relationship with money. And this was done by the BBC Big Money Test. It was a survey conducted over 100,000 people in 2015 by Professor Adrian Furnham of the University College London and Professor Mark Fenton O'Creevy from Open University BBC Lab UK and it was aimed to find out what personality affected attributes to money and how relationships with money impacted the risk of going into debt. So firstly the research established that there was four distinct ways that people view money and that they have labelled them these as status spender, generous indulver, secret saver and independence lover. And I'll explain to them in just a second. And it de determined our relationship with money can and does affect the risk of being in trouble financially. Depending on which personality trait you fall into, it can affect the, the level of risk you could get into getting into debt. And um, these were fa factors affected our relationship with money. A person's age was a big factor. It seems to be that young, young adults were at the bottom of the pile when they were looking at money management and they were mainly um, not really thinking about the future. And gender was also important to mention because women and men generally see money in different ways. Women are more likely to spend more, um, yet were more worried about how um, much they were spending the men. And men were more likely to see money as their route to freedom and as achievements and their goals. The studies have also shown that women in general 
uh, donate more to charity and will give more money to children before spending on themselves. And I see that all the time. I didn't need to ask a thousand people. I probably have in my career. I spoke to over a hundred thousand people. The study then revealed, revealed that there were times when there was a susceptible to thinking about money in wasteful ways, such as worrying all the time about how much we're spending, denying that we buy um, unnecessary things, um, and retail therapy, therapy and buying things that make us feel better. And I know that from personal experience. I had a car accident when I was 19 and I got into debt and because I didn't have a lot of money growing up. So I decided to treat myself all the time and it made me feel better. And I got into a lot of debt and I did clear that debt um, down, but I can definitely resonate with that. So going back to the four ways that people view money and how it affects their spending, these are the each one. So we have a status spender. A generous indulver, and I'll go into the others in just a second. So the first one, the status spender, money means power to these people, and they usually be the type of people that would have the latest gadgets or drive the flashiest cars, more likely to buy everyone a drink at a pub or buy their friends dinner, and these people are more likely to have problems with personal relationships and could end up with large financial debt. These type of clients would be um, approaching us about clearing their debts and how they can get their head above water. And no matter how often they achieve this, um, when they are not looked at why they're being spending in this way, um, it just means, unfortunately, they end up going back in a bit of a spiral. So that there's, a, there's a real shift and changes that need to be made. Generous indulger. And these are people that love to buy gifts for their family and their friends, and they enjoy giving to the extent that it replaces genuine affection, according to psychologists, where they have um, difficulty with their children as they get older because their children expect gifts all the time, more money, and to be spent on them at every opportunity. So I see a lot of women with their children lavishly spending fortunes on their new babies, particularly, or um, you know, enough clothes for an African village and spending does get a bit out of control and that's because they just want to nest and make things feel lovely and nice um and i understand that there is there is a psychology also around you know having nice things around you can make you feel wealthier right it can make you feel better um so but it's doing it in a way that is um not getting yourself into debt really and maybe some smaller shifts that can be done rather than big extravagant things that are maybe a little bit too extravagant for your paycheck um, so this is where um, that makes them feel that they're taking care of their child better by purchasing these items. And often they see their partner concerned about their spending and not understanding why they feel the need to do it. Once that habit is started, it is hard to change and it can extend um, into the children as they become older um, with an endless list of toys and clothes and, and things that are needed. Secure saver. So this is where money is security to these people make them feel better than they, they put it into the bank or into some savings. Um, and even when they don't need to save, they, they still do it. These people can end up denying themselves uh, and even loved ones opportunities um, because um, they, you know, improving their financial situation, but they're unwilling to take any risk. And I met a lady who had 35,000 sitting in an ISA. And she kept the money separate from her family's monthly outgoings and savings and take good, great comfort in knowing this money was there just in case of an emergency. To her, the idea of moving it or touching it was crazy. And she just would never even consider that. And then the last is an independence lover. Getting away um, with it all for holidays, taking some sabbaticals um, or what these people crave. 
and they use money to break free from the burden of everyday life. And the important thing for this type of um, is to remember that they need to look at other financial aspects of life, such as preparing for unexpected events like maybe ill health. Um, I have a client who really doesn't care how much she spends, not on little things, but holidays and summer holidays. She will uh, remortgage, take equity out of her house to facilitate this. And her belief is that life is so short after all that the money is there to be spent. And that's a little bit of an extreme at the other end. I have somebody else that spends a huge amount of money on holidays. And what I'm trying to encourage her to do is to invest and down pay on her mortgage so that if there comes a time that the money wasn't there so much anymore, her income wasn't as high as it was, that she's in a better secure position than what she's currently in. And it then with these decisions being made, it gives you more choice um, and options in later life. So which one are you? Where do you sit with these habits? And what would you need to change in your spending to create financial abundance? So I've hoped you enjoyed a little a bit of a, a deep delve into one of my chapters of the, my up and coming book. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, and those that are listening to this, obviously, um, after the books come out, it's available on Amazon. And that's 10 ways to accelerate your wealth, how to align your finances for an abundant life. I'm Rebecca Robertson. Um, I'd love to have a review from you. Um, have feedback from you or of course if you feel that it's um, necessary or no, not necessary if you feel it appropriate if you could share this with your friends and family it would be greatly appreciated sending you lots of love over and out thank you for joining us on today's episode of accelerate your wealth if you'd like to take the steps to accelerate your wealth further, perhaps owning it more or maximizing it to its full potential, please do head over to our free Facebook group, The Money Mastery Collective, where we post regular updates on tips to maximize your wealth and also support you along the way. We'd love to see you there.